an unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect dharma is rarely met with, even in a hundred thousand million kalpas, having it to see and listen to, to remember and accept, I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words. Good morning. So I sent you a, uh, two different translations of Hakuin's uh, Song of Zazen, which is a very famous poem or song or sutra, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I couldn't find the following quickly, so I'm going to talk about it anyway, but I don't remember exactly. But when Shohaku Okamura wrote about the Song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi, he had an analysis that spoke of the title of the word song. And he spoke, and now I'm really paraphrasing and, and uh, don't quote me quoting him because I'm sure that I'm adding on my own view of it. The point is that a song, as opposed to a chant or a sutra or whatever, uh, a fascicle, an essay, a song is something closer to your heart and more organic. I'm sure that's not his word. But that's the, that's the sense of it, that there's a reason why some things are called songs. And I think it does have to do with how it speaks to you more directly and not so much to your head. Any chanting does that, as you may have experienced. I don't know. Uh, what I, the first time I experienced that directness was when my mother died and we were uh, chanting uh, at a, a service for her, we were chanting the Daishin Dharani and I had been able to talk and she had you know, been a, a good week since she had died and, and I wasn't freaked out or anything. And we started chanting and I got maybe three words, eight, I don't know, a few words in and I just started crying and I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. I didn't want to stop it either, but, um, but it, it just, I experienced the direct relationship between uh, chanting and I'd say, I would say singing and your heart. I experienced it too, the first time I chanted the women ancestors. I had seen the list and talked to, we talked about it in various forums and blah, blah, and adopted it and hoo, hoo, hoo. And then, and then um, I think I was at Tassahara. So the first time we actually chanted it as part of uh, the women ancestors, as part of morning service, I just started sobbing again. And I think a song expresses that calling it a song more explicitly points to that because usually we don't, you know, we say the Great Wisdom Beyond Wisdom Heart Sutra or the Merging of Difference and Unity or whatever, we say the title of it, the Fukan Zazengi, but we don't call it something. 
So when it's called a song explicitly, it's the author and or the translator saying, this is a direct message to your heart, to your body mind. And what Okamura said about the song of the Jewel Bear Samadhi equally applies to Hakuin's verse. Just in case for somebody who's listening to this, Hakuin was a Japanese Zen master uh, who reinvigorated the Rinzai tradition in Japan. And he's maybe, he's like Dogen is to Soto Zen, but he's much more modern. I think, I think he lived, and Liam, correct me if I'm, I think he lived in the 1800s. Is that about right? I was thinking earlier, but I'm, I don't remember for sure offhand. I, I thought he was in like 1600s. Oh, I, I, well, let's say 1700s. Okay. I, I think, I mean, I just remember being surprised at how recent, but. I was, was thinking you would be contemporary of Rembrandt because I associated some of their artwork, but I could be wrong. So could I. Anyway, he's, he's much more recent than Dogen was, but at any rate, he was a wonderful writer. And if you're not familiar with him, I commend him to you. So Hakuin's Song of Zazen. I, I like the Waddell translation. All beings by nature are Buddha, as ice by nature is water. Apart from water, there is no ice. Apart from beings, no Buddha. How sad that people ignore the near and search for truth afar like someone in the midst of water crying out in thirst, like a child of a wealthy home wandering among the poor. Lost on dark paths of ignorance, we wander through the six worlds, from dark path to dark path. When shall we be freed from birth and death? Oh, the Zazen of the Mahayana, to this the highest praise, devotion, repentance, training, the many paramitas, all have their source in Zazen. Those who try Zazen even once wipe away beginningless crimes. Where are all the dark paths then? The pure land itself is near. Those who hear this truth even once and listen with a grateful heart, treasuring it, revering it, gain blessings without end. Much more those who turn about and bear witness to self-nature, self-nature that is no nature. Go far beyond mere doctrine. Here effect and cause are the same. The way is neither two nor three. With form that is no form, going and coming, we are never astray. With thought that is no thought, singing and dancing are the voice of the law. Boundless and free is the sky of Samadhi, bright the full moon of wisdom. Truly, is anything missing now? Nirvana is right here before our eyes. This very place is the lotus land, this very body, the Buddha. All right. It's a love song to Zazen. And what's he saying to us? It all arises 
liberation arises from zazen. Usefulness arises from zazen. Love arises from zazen. And we always, we're looking for it out there. We're looking for uh, some uh, amazing enlightenment. And it's really just right here. You know, Suzuki Roshi once said, before you uh, experience it, you think enlightenment is some wondrous thing that you're going to get. And then once you experience it, you find out it's nothing special. You might be disappointed. It's nothing special. What is it? And yet it's, it's so, it's just right here. It isn't anything special. It's just, it's just this, but your, but your relationship with this is different. That's easy to say. It's not so easy to do. And here we are. I like, I like a lot that Hakuin says, we are wandering around in the dark. You know, he doesn't say, you poor, foolish, common people. <laughs> Lost on dark paths of ignorance. But he's talking about how close it is, like someone in the midst of uh, water crying out in thirst. Or the child of a rich family wandering around in poverty. Those, those are Lotus Sutra images. We wander through the six realms. And when shall we be freed from birth and death? When shall we be freed from grasping and aversion? And then he says, oh, the Zazen of the Mahayana. I'm not sure what he means, the Zazen of the Mahayana, I think that it's about this letting go and not and and not doing a lot of thinking or directed meditation or any of that sort of thing. No, not well, I start to say not grasping or not pushing for anything, but my understanding of you know one of the ways we talk about uh, Rinzai is as a dif difference between Rinzai and Soto is that uh, it, there's a apple up at the top of the tree, the Rinzai student will be climbing the tree and um, stretching for the apple, trying to get the apple, and the Soto Zen person will be sitting at the base of the tree waiting for the apple to fall. I don't know if Rinzai people appreciate that description <laughs> or not. I know they don't like the way we talk about koans as, you know, well, that's a koan of daily life, or, oh, that, well, that's a koan. They don't <laughs> like that. And oh, the, the Zazen of the Mahayana, silence. And all our practices have their source in Zazen. It all arises from Zazen. My experience is that that's true, that that sitting there and 
sitting still for whatever happens and letting go and letting go and letting go and turning back to this present body and mind in this present posture in this present place coming back coming back letting go coming back letting go coming back in silence and stillness that's the base of our life the base of our practice it's the base of our ceremonies Norman said years ago that he never really understood the ceremonies. He just, he thought it was kind of, he didn't use this word, but it's, it's uh, trendy now. He, he thought it was performative, that it was just uh, sort of a theatrical thing or something. And it didn't appeal to him. And then one time, he decided that during the ceremony, he would be there and he would be kind of in Zazen mode. He may have said he closed his eyes. I don't remember if I'm making that up. But at any rate, that he would just be present and not kind of watch everything, that he would watch a play or a performance, but just be there. It opened up to him and he now, I don't remember his words, but I'll say that he, that he felt it. He felt it and he, he related to it in a visceral way and it was very different for him. And that's what our ceremonies are. They come out of Zazen. You could, you know, you could officiate at a ceremony and if it didn't come from your Zazen, it would just be another performance. Whether the people, the assembly could tell that or not, I don't know, but you could, you'd know. And I think it shows. So you can practice devotion and repentance. You can do the full moon ceremony. You can learn how to be a Dawn and a Kokyo and so on and practice the perfections giving and energy and precepts and um, meditation and wisdom and I, I know I'm leaving one patient. <laughs> I left out patience. <laughs> what a surprise. But they have their source in Zazen. And then he says, and this is a kind of Dogen says this and so on, and, and Buddha too, you know, the, those who try Zazen even once, wipe away beginningless crimes. Where are all the dark paths then? Those who hear this truth even once, and this is key, right? And listen with a grateful heart, treasuring it, revering it, gain blessings without end. So listen with a Zazen heart, listen with an open heart, practice with an open heart. It isn't, it, it, um, I guess you can, you know, you can listen performatively. You, know, you can listen kind of at one remove and, and uh, maybe take it in your head. But if you don't ever open your heart and really let it in. Oh, you mean me? I'm me. I'm grasping. Oh, I could I. What would happen if 
I let go and she opens her hand. Maybe that, that's enough for, let's, let's stop here. And I just want to know if you have any um, comments or, or questions or anything, because I want to leave time for that. Is there anybody? I also prefer the Waddell version. It just seems much more succinct and straightforward. Yep. That one um, part, uh, those who try Zazen even once wipe away beginningless crimes. You know, when I initially read that, my quibbling mind goes, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think, you know, I mean, if you're really sitting Zazen and letting go, even if it's just briefly, it, that you don't wipe that all the way. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Zach? I really like the water and ice mm -hmm. parable, analogy, whatever. Um, uh, without water, there's no ice. And <laughs> we think of them as separate, but they're the same thing which is a wonderful way to think of a lot of things. Like we think of them as separate, but they're the same thing. Kind of makes you think, which is good, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> or makes you feel. The other thought that, this is like an aside, but like being a, a child of a rich family wandering in poverty. Hmm, who did that? Oh yeah, Buddha. So maybe he had to do that to get to water and ice. There's also the and that is that's true. It's also the the prodigal son story out of the Lotus Sutra. There's more than one of those because there's another one about somebody, some guy that was poor and a rich friend sewed a while he was sleeping. He sewed a jewel into the hem of his garment and the guy a priceless jewel and the guy kept wandering for a long time before he found out that he he had this jewel all along otherwise known as buddha nature or whatever apart from beings no buddha anybody else yeah <laughs> oh. over here <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued by the um by the ceremonies coming out of zazen not a new idea to me, um, but it continues to intrigue me in, in that I feel like I'm in the middle of the spectrum of performative and zazen. Maybe that's a common place to be, but uh, it kind of just depends on the day how involved I feel with the ceremonies. Yes, well, there, there is reality sometimes. And, I mean, and it is also, to me, part of being a priest. You know, that part of the ceremony of, of priest ordination is leaving the home, which might be figurative, uh, because there's an awful lot of married priests that work in the world, but, but, uh, but it is officially about is leaving home and it's giving over and belonging to the Sangha and being accountable to a Sangha in a different way. than uh, a homeowner. I mean, if you you receive lay transmission, you also, in some sense, saying that you're accountable to the Sangha. But it's a, um, 
it's sort of a different different kind of commitment, I think. I'm not saying it's deeper because it's hard to say, and I I'm afraid I know some priests that don't that doesn't seem like it goes all that deep. So it's not like there's some automatic thing, and I know lay people that are extremely devoted and uh, serious teachers and practitioners. So. So that isn't that's you know and it's, it's blurring say with us, but there's some sense of um, going through some process of saying with a with a priest ordination it's officially saying I am accountable to the sangha I belong to the sangha. So I don't know. I'm not sure where that is and. In talking about the base being zazen, because even you're, you're not, you don't have to be leading the full moon ceremony; just it's being part of the assembly. If it comes from that base, that's a real different ceremony than if you're just saying the words and doing what everybody else is doing. Lisa, interesting about. That whole thing about the ceremony being performative, because I feel I feel that often. Like I feel like I'm I'm always worried I'm gonna do it wrong. Like <laughs> I'm gonna make a mis- I'm gonna do a poor performance. <laughs> like the audience is gonna be like, ah, get a stick and get her off stage, you know. And but also in relation to what you're saying about a song, because a song is also kind of can be performative too. Mm-hmm. Like. But there's this idea, I think what you're talking about of like, it just arises from your heart. Like when the music's on and you just sing to it, right? Like you don't, you don't think of it as a performance. It just arises from your heart. I think that's what -hmm. you're getting at. I think so. A a major part of it. And uh, he, uh, he talks about I wanted to say four things at once. Yes. And don't worry about, I mean, I can say it, I can't make you not worry, but, but, you know, it isn't about the performance. I mean, it's, it's just, it's about a heart seems to me. And I've had, I've had Jishas who were, you know, they, they, they didn't, we being who we are, they didn't necessarily, they didn't have a lot of training or they hadn't seen a person be a Jisha for, for lecture, but maybe once or something. And then there, there they were, or they, anyway, whatever. And it didn't, it, that's not so important. And what's important is the feeling I get, if I'm, if I'm the officiant or the lecturer or whatever, the feeling that I get from the Jisha that they want to take care of me. You know, it, it is a devotion practice. Mm-hmm. I love being Jisha. So, and I've done it a lot many years ago, but at any rate, but, but I, it, it's the feeling that I get. And somebody can be perfect and do it just right, but their heart isn't in it. And it's not, um, it's, it doesn't feel nearly as supportive to me as it does from somebody whose heart is in it. 
you know, so, and also don't realize that everybody is worrying that way, Lisa. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and they're not looking at you. They're worrying if they, you know, did I, did I bow right? Did I get all the way down there? Did I, oh, I can't bow all the way. I'm just a failure. I'm not, it's just crap. And I only bow twice instead of three times. <laughs> yeah. I lost count of my bows. <laughs> That's happened to me before. Me too. <laughs> Say it louder. She didn't hear you. Oh, it happened to me too just this morning, in fact. <laughs> yeah, it was actually a little snarky there. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sure you knew that we all, yeah, that uh, Steve had lots of company, including me and probably Zach. What's next week? Is next week a regular week? Mm -hmm. Well, I think I'm going to I'm going to stop then and, and uh, I want to talk about dancing. He talks about dance, singing and singing and dancing, isn't it? Yeah, singing and dancing are the voice of the law with a capital L. So we'll talk about that next week because I, I don't want to. It's like the we got about halfway through. And I don't want to start something else. It's already a little after eleven. But don't forget, don't forget singing and dancing. I can't remember it exactly. Something Reb likes or used to like to talk about. I don't know if he does, but drinking and dancing are the is the practice of the peasants or something, and and uh, it's a hallmark of our school. I was thinking of I got had I gotten that far today, which I, I promise I'm stopping. But you know, I feel more like uh, crying because I'm worried about my dog, and and that has to be that's part of our school too. Liam, I sent something to to uh, Facebook. I think I don't know. I sent a picture of the the, the nasturtiums are rampant. This year, they're really amazingly beautiful. He, he likes nasturtiums too. Did you see that? No, not yet. All right, well, I'll send it to the saga. I can't remember. I, I, I can't remember because I also sent a picture of a, a palm tree at the end of the mine. The nasturtiums were on Facebook, but I don't think it was sent to other people. Okay. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to become it.